0: Welcome to LeGrave Avenue CRC's Sermon Podcast. We are asked, what do you see? Sometimes we can be so focused on the negative, especially when it's so prominently displayed before us, that we miss that God is light. He has conquered the darkness. And we can live in that promise. You're listening to In Your Light by Guest Minister, Rev. Dwayne Kelderman. It's so good to be with you again today. In this season of Epiphany, one of the Psalms of Epiphany is Psalm 36. The lectionary um, Psalm of Psalm 36 has just verses 5 to 9 in it. Those are the warm and fuzzy verses of this Psalm. Um, Like a good Calvinist who eats his peas and broccoli first, we're going to read the whole psalm, all of which is not quite so warm and fuzzy. Psalm 36. I have a message from God in my heart concerning the sinfulness of the wicked. There is no fear of God before their eyes. In their own eyes, they flatter themselves, too much to detect or hate their sin. The words of their mouths are wicked and deceitful. They fail to act wisely or do good. Even on their beds, they plot evil. They commit themselves to a sinful course, and do not reject what is wrong. And then the sudden change in focus from the wicked to God. Verse 5, your love, Lord, reaches to the heavens. Your faithfulness to the skies. Your righteousness is like the highest mountains. Your justice, like the great deep You, Lord, preserve both people and animals. How priceless is your unfailing love, O God. People take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house. You give them drink from your river of delights. And now the climax of the psalm. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light, we see light. Continue your love to those who know you, your righteousness to the upright in heart. May the foot of the proud not come against me, nor the hand of the wicked drive me away. See how the evildoers lie fallen thrown down, not able to rise. This is the word of the Lord. What do you see? What do you see? At the climax of this psalm, David sees light. In the light of God, in your light, we see. Light. Indeed, Epiphany is the season of light. The light has come into the world in Jesus. And now we see light. But that's not what David sees first. At first, David sees only the sinfulness of the wicked. And that's all he sees. And what he sees in verses and what he says in verses 1 to 4 about what he sees is true. Those who are alienated from God have no fear of God. God's not even on their radar screen. God who? They're full of themselves. They flatter themselves. They're self-deceived. They don't see their own faults and flaws, much less see them as big problems. They have no interest in the truth about anything. Wisdom and goodness, that's for losers. Forget about that. Even on their beds, they plot evil. Morning, noon, and night, they scheme, they exploit, they harm, and they make life miserable for so many. But then there is this huge shift in the psalm to this beautiful picture of God. This psalm contains some of the most beautiful imagery in all of Scripture to describe the God we know through Jesus Christ. What grips David most when he looks at God is the love of God. Your love, O Lord, reaches to the heavens. For God so loved the world It's an expansive love, all-encompassing. It reaches to the heavens and God's faithfulness to the skies. God's love and faithfulness is limitless. As far as east is from the west, as the psalmist says elsewhere about God's mercy... And Paul prays to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, implying that no ruler can measure the love of Christ. And this love is not some sentimental syrupy love. He goes on in verse 6, "...your righteousness is like the highest mountains." Your justice, like the great deep. The righteousness and justice of God in the Psalms almost always refers to the commitment of the divine king to save the vulnerable, to protect the powerless, to rescue the oppressed, to help the needy and to stand against the wicked that he describes in verses 1 to 4. The firm edge of God's love and faithfulness is a righteousness and a justice that deplores evil and that will make all things right. Every valley will be lifted up and every mountain and hill made low. Justice will roll down like waters, and righteousness like an ever flowing stream. A few weeks ago, Rachel Denhollander spoke at Calvin University. She was receiving an award there. Rachel is that former Olympian gymnast who was sexually abused by Larry Nasser at Michigan State. And that gave that unforgettable speech at Nasser's sentencing How Much Is a Little Girl Worth? Today, Rachel is not just a top notch legal authority on abuse, she is also a top notch theologian. Her big message at Calvin was that our commitment to protect the vulnerable, whoever that is, the weak, The poor, the discriminated against, the excluded, that commitment is rooted in the very character of God whose love comes to expression in his righteousness and justice for the vulnerable. And the most discouraging part of her work now, she went on to explain, is how quickly and universally she is dismissed by large swaths of the Christian church when she champions God's passion for righteousness and justice, such a central biblical theme, as though just saying the word justice means she's some flaming liberal. Her speech at Calvin was really unpacking Psalm 36, verses 5 and 6, even though she never mentioned the psalm. Justice is not some partisan idea. It is the foundation of the universe, and is at the heart of God's love to care that all things are right and to work for all people's flourishing not their destruction. Indeed, the psalmist goes on, this is the God who preserves both people and animals. God is into protecting and preserving, not harming or destroying. He's into including, not pushing away. How priceless is your unfailing love, O God, People take refuge in the shadow of your wings. That's why we as a church always want to be a safe place for people, a place of refuge for those who are hurting and afraid, not a place that makes people more afraid, because God is a refuge for the hurting Verse 8, they feast on the abundance of your house. You give them drink from your river of delights. We so often live fear-filled lives. We fear scarcity, that we won't have enough. But when David looks to God, he sees abundance. A river of delights. Not a little puddle, not a little stream, but a river of abundance and delight. And that image of abundant flowing water leads to the climax of the psalm. For with you is the fountain of life. In your life... We see light. And now, when he looks back at the wicked, after he has lived into the abundance and delight of God, what does he see? The psalm ends, See how the evildoers lie fallen, thrown down, not able to rise. What do you see? Are you obsessed with all that is wrong and broken in the world? Do you watch too much news like I do? No matter what network we watch, we become overwhelmed with fear, obsessed with scarcity, and hopeless at the depravity of those other people. David today says, yep, that's where I tend to start out too. But then I turn to the light, to the fountain of life that is the abundant love of God. And in your light, we see light. When we dwell on evil, evil grows. And we see more evil. And when we dwell on the light, the light grows. And we see more light. But we have to look for light. And when we do, we see it. A couple of weeks ago, Charlie, my four year old grandson in Chicago, went with his daddy to Union Station in downtown Chicago. Charlie is obsessed with trains. When Charlie is in Union Station, he thinks he is in heaven. Well, imagine how Charlie felt when a train conductor who had been watching Charlie and his daddy from a distance came up to Charlie, bent down, and said, Today is my last day of being a conductor of these trains. Would you like to have my conductor's hat? Just a little light, but what a beautiful light. When that man gave so abundantly to Charlie, he was acting like God. What do you see? Where are you looking? What do you focus upon? What do we see when we think about the church today? We have so many choices about what we will focus upon. Some look at the church and see a weakened institution in a post-Christian world. And of course, who really knows how the church will emerge in a post-COVID world? Some of us fear deeply for our children and our grandchildren as we see the church less and less at the center of their lives. And we have concerns about the Christian Reformed Church in particular. And I think all of these concerns are valid, and they are mine I also think that these concerns are verses 1 to 4 kinds of concerns. And that if we only look at the enemies, then verses 1 to 4 will only grow and grow. And soon we will only be one big ball of fear. What happens when we focus upon verses 5 to 9? The abundant love of God, the God of righteousness and justice who is making all things new and right. For all the problems of the church, I think the church today is much more conscious of its calling in the name of this God of love and righteousness and justice to stand with the vulnerable, the weak, the poor, the discriminated against, the excluded, the other. Just listen to Christie's prayer this morning. It was so beautiful, so full of those concerns I think the church today is much more conscious of its calling and much more convicted that that is at the core of its mission, just as it was at the core of the Jesus ministry. And that's good. And I believe that churches focused upon these things are closer to the heart of Jesus than churches that are so beset by fear that they only want to draw lines in the sand and declare who's in and who's out. A church, by the way, that our grandchildren have little interest in. I look at the world today, and indeed there are so many things to be concerned about. And TV networks make hundreds of millions of dollars using fear, to deliver audiences to advertisers in the name of news. It's what TV news is, networks delivering audiences to advertisers and using fear as their main strategy. But look again at that world. We talk about how the Roman Empire so providentially contributed to the spread of Christianity in the first century. Think about our advances in technology, our advances in medicine, economic development around the world. Technology and medicine and free markets have dramatically decreased the percentage of the world, of people in the world who live in abject poverty, dramatically decreased it dramatically decreased infant mortality, decreased malaria, increased literacy. Christianity is exploding in parts of Asia and Africa and South America. Talk to the Nagel Institute at Calvin University about the exploding Christian school movement in Africa and talk to strategic planners at Calvin about how they continue to build bridges to that whole movement with this university vision at Calvin. That's exciting. Of course, there are Christian institutions in decline in North America, including denominations. Jesus made it clear That the new wine of the gospel of Jesus Christ and of the kingdom of God is always breaking the old wineskins. Institutional forms that can no longer hold the gospel. But that dynamic has been going on for 2,000 years since Jesus first introduced the image. But those wineskins are not themselves the gospel. The kingdom. What do we see? In your light, we see light. If God is for us, who can be against us? If this God of boundless love and pure righteousness and unlimited abundance is for us, who can be against us? The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? As N.T. Wright said last week at the Calvin Symposium, or this January series, the Christian church is not merely an elevator service providing people an escape out of this big, bad world off to a distant heaven. He was speaking on Galatians and pointed out that Galatians never talks about heaven. The Christian church is Jesus who has come into the world and who is making all things new and is gathering all people to himself here and now. That is what we must see through eyes of faith. Light begets light. The abundance of God and the richness of life is a deep and beautiful mystery that, yes, we must believe to see. Arise, shine, for your light has come. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. In your light, we see light. Will you pray with me? O fountain of life and light, encourage us now by your word and spirit. Chase away the darkness. Vanquish the enemy. You are our light and our salvation. We will not be afraid. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grave Avenue CRC's sermon podcast.